Side Hustle Show 221, Wholesale on Amazon, from part-time hobby to $13 million in Amazon FBA sales. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. I know what you're thinking. 13 million, Nick? Come on. Well, my guest is Dan Metters. And in 2011, he and his partner, Eric, began selling on Amazon, doing the whole retail arbitrage thing, starting out with an investment of just $600. If you want to learn more about that business model, check out my chat with Travis Scott in episode 125. But for Dan and Eric, they quickly saw the potential to build a business on Amazon and shifted their focus to wholesaling, or rather, I should say, buying items at wholesale prices instead of from the clearance bin at Walmart. And that's what's taken them from that $600 startup cost side hustle experiment to a business they now run full-time. And five and a half years later, they've done over $13 million in sales through Amazon. You can check them out at thewholesaleformula.com and stay tuned to this conversation with Dan to hear how this whole wholesale thing works, how it's different and, in Dan's opinion, better than uh, private labeling, and how you can get started today. Notes, links, and a free PDF download with Dan's top tips and highlights from this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash Dan. I think you'll also be able to grab that through the episode description on your podcast player app. My top takeaways from this chat with Dan after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. We got started just, just like most people with retail arbitrage and transitioned into wholesale because it made, for us, it made the most sense. Like it was just a, a natural progression. Okay. But wholesaling is purchasing directly from a wholesale company or the manufacturer of a, of a given product for, for the purposes of resale. So it's business to business transactions. Okay. Effectively, what, what our goal is, is we act as the retailer for the companies that sell to us. Think of us as they're effectively an online form of a Walmart or Amazon. We, we sell in the same capacity that those vendors do as well. Okay. So purchasing direct from the manufacturer in some cases. So it's different. So in private labeling, you're approaching a manufacturer and you're saying, hey, here is a product I would love to have created. And in this case, you're approaching a manufacturer that's already making a product and say, I can help you sell this. Correct. In this capacity, where there's a little bit of confusion is that most people equate the manufacturer as being the factory who makes things. And in our world, that's not the way it works. The manufacturer is the brand owner or rights holder. So for example, if I wanted to sell Nike shoes, I would contact the Nike.com's buying team or sales team directly. Okay. Why would they, why would they work? Why would they work with you? Maybe, can we do an example? Like, let's see. Like, sure, sure. Okay. So in that example, Nike's much less likely to work with me. They're obviously, they're a huge company. We try to target smaller manufacturers. One of the companies we'd worked with in the past was Scratch Labs. That was one of the companies that we worked with in the past. They are the manufacturer of a line of supplements for people who ride bicycles. Now, what we were doing is we were we acted as their retailer on Amazon.com because they a lot of companies you have to realize they don't like dealing with the larger companies like Amazon because Amazon is notoriously breaks rules. They're hard to work with. They have very very strict terms. So it's beneficial for them to work like where the smaller vendor like us because we're much easier to work with. We don't have the same type of of rule structures and things like that, that they would have to work with working with Amazon. Okay. So this is a company that was not selling on Amazon previously, or were they and just frustrated with it? No, I guess another misconception here is that all brand owners sell their own products. 
Like think of it in terms of like Clorox bleach. Like you don't go to Procter Gamble to buy that. You go to a retailer to buy it. Right. But most companies don't sell their own products. Like they invest in the overall marketing of their company and they're trying to make a bigger brand rather than focusing on an individual channel. So what our goal is, is to become their channel specialist inside of Amazon. Okay. I'm not sure if that, if that clears it up. That actually helps a lot. So I'm thinking too small. I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't they just sell direct? It's like, okay, that's not their business model. So how did you come across the Scratch Labs folks? Or where do you go to search for brands that might be a fit for this type of arrangement? Interestingly enough, all of our searching starts on Amazon. Like every single thing we do, we, we start on Amazon because that's the market we're trying to sell to, right? So whenever we're looking, what we're looking for is we're looking for some pretty tight criteria for products that we think will work well and that we think we can make sell even better. So what we're looking for is products that are doing well and we think we can make small changes to the, to the product and accelerate the sales on Amazon. So for example, if a product doesn't have enough pictures, that's something that we could, you know, we could add additional pictures or something like that and increase sales. Okay. But this is, so who's selling the product now? This is the manufacturer that's selling it or a third party or it's, or this is just like a competing product. Generally there's other competitive sellers selling that product. Like if you go to a scratch labs listing right now, there's like three or four people selling that product. And those are all third party sellers like us. Are they all wholesalers as well? Again, it's a, again, it's just awkward terminology. We're not, we're not truly, we're a retailer. Like that's the, that's the thing is we purchase, we procure products through the wholesale channel and we are sell as a retailer. So they you know, technically they are retailers just like us, just like anybody else that would sell on Amazon. Right. Using fulfillment by Amazon. Correct. Anytime you're selling products to the end consumer, you're effectively a retailer at that point, no matter how you should carry your product. Okay. So I'm still confused by this. So you find a product that's doing well but could be doing better because they don't have enough pictures, their description sucks, whatever. Their listing sure. is just isn't optimized. Any categories that you like? Any, what else? I mean, that's a pretty broad <laughs> thing to look for. No, I mean, uh, we when we started out, we started with a lot of health and personal care items. Like the supplements. Correct. It was just something we really wanted to learn and, and, and had a good amount of interest in. And that's generally what we suggest to people is start in an area where you have some knowledge okay. or interest. But now we actually sell in every single category except DVDs. Okay, so Dan, you find this product that's selling on Amazon Supplement in this case. And what happens next? Like they're already selling on Amazon. So what's your proposition? Well, the product selling on Amazon, the vendors, we don't generally contact vendors who represent their own product because you have to look at it from this perspective. They're trying to be a retailer already. It's very hard for me to help somebody that is trying to be a retailer. I can help them increase their brand presence and awareness on Amazon. But in general, I'm going to be effectively offering the same service that they already have. So what we do is we locate the product. And if it's a product that fits our guidelines, like we like products that we can sell about 90 times a month or more. What do you use to estimate that? Jungle Scout. Just the same tool that you know most people use in private label. It's a very similar research method. Okay. Jungle Scout was created by Greg Mercer, who was on episode 158 of the Side Hustle Show, describing his private label product research strategy and selection criteria. The software has really become the de facto product research tool for Amazon sellers, which I think is really cool. And I think it's turned into a pretty nice side business for Greg. In any case, he's offered $10 off for Side Hustle Show listeners at junglescout.com slash SHN. Okay, back to Dan. So we locate the products 
then what we do is we just Google the company. So like, you know, in, in the Scratch Labs instance, we just Googled Scratch Labs, went to their website, and there's always like a contact us or wholesale opportunity button on their website. And we just contact them that way. And then we, we explain that, that we're an Amazon seller and we believe that we can, we can actually help their product increase in sales. Okay. So you're looking, so if none of the listings, you say, this looks like an attractive product, none of the listings say sold by Scratch Labs and, sold, and fulfilled by Amazon, like they all say sold by such and such other third-party seller, that's a hit. That means, okay, the brand is not trying to tackle this channel directly. So that's the signal. Okay, I can go Google this brand, see what they're all about. There's proven demand because these products are moving on Amazon and we can tell that from their sales rank, from Jungle Scout. So we Google them up and we look for their like wholesale opportunity or their resale opportunity or whatever it is down at the footer of the page. And tell me again what that initial email outreach looks like, email or phone call usually? We always reach out by email because it's more convenient. Okay. Again, we just tell them, hey, we're a retail company based out of Kentucky. We sell on Amazon. We would love to carry your products. We think we can do some awesome stuff with it. And we'll give them some examples. So that way it's like more of a personal thing. Like, you know, we noticed that some of the issues on your product and we, we will tell them what those issues were that we feel like we can help with. Okay. So you're essentially going to bring your own listing to compete with the existing listings. No, no, we, we list on the same listing. We'll just make the same. We'll, we can make the changes. Like that's a, another misconception for people who do a lot of private label is that you can't edit the listing. Like anybody can edit any listing as long as they're a seller on that listing and they can prove that their changes make a better customer experience on the Amazon side. Okay, so if you have the same exact product... It's actually a violation of terms of service to create a second listing for that product. So we would list on the same listing with along with the other third-party sellers. Okay, and now you're just competing for the buy box on price or what or What else? Are, <laughs> how, do, how, do you know, how do you know your stuff is going to sell versus versus theirs? Generally, there's... You know, there's several buy box metrics. Obviously, the most the most impactful one is price. So effectively, our goal is not to we don't try to dominate all the sales that happen on the listing. We try to share sales. So, you know, let's say a product selling for $19.99 on Amazon. Whenever we list that product, we're also going to be at $19.99 for the most part. There's very few instances in which we would try to try to win win sales, uh, win all of the sales there. Okay. So just a hey, match, match the price and you're going to rotate in. Correct. Okay. Why is this company going to work with you or why, why is that company going to work with me? Especially like you have some case studies and some examples of like, Hey, I've done this before. Like if you're brand new to this, what does your pitch look like? That's actually a fantastic question. And it's one that a lot of new people really struggle with. It's like, you know, I'm new. I don't really have a lot to offer. Yeah. The bottom line is whenever you go to a company, most companies are used to getting this email. Hey, I would love to buy your product. If they agree to sell it to you, which a lot won't, then all they're going to get out of it is an order every month or every 45 days, right? That's just like the standard business relationship. We approach it from a position of wanting to help them first. Again, like in my initial email, I'm telling them some of the things that I can do to help them. That's one of the things that I think people really truly undervalue is the fact if you come from a help first mentality, like you point out, you're willing to point out some of the problems they have and and be willing to offer that solution directly. So you're saying like, here's your listing, here's the missed opportunity. We can help you move more units overall. Correct. Okay. And help you be better represented. I mean, once you start really looking at it from this perspective, over 50% of product searches on the internet are starting on amazon.com now. Yeah. They need their product to be optimized. Okay. Even if their goal is to get into brick and mortar, where do you think brick and mortar sellers or brick and mortar buyers 
are starting their product searches, obviously on Amazon. So if this product looks poor on Amazon, it's really hurting their ability to get into brick and mortar. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is it hard to convince this brand to work with you, it sounds like, well, yeah, shoot, you, you want to buy a thousand units, we'll sell them to you. It'll vary from company to company because they have different goals. And our goal is, you know, our, our ultimate goal is not just to be a retailer. Like we want to actually help their brand grow. We try to be really close with the companies we work with. And sometimes our, what we're trying to do and their vision doesn't match up. But for the most part, I mean, it's about 30% of the 30 to 40% of the companies we approach end up working with us. Okay. Which actually seems like a really high percentage for for cold, for cold outreach. <laughs> it is very high. Most people start off in the you know when we started off with wholesale in general, it was more in the five to ten percent range, and it was because again we didn't really know what we could offer people, and we weren't confident that we could actually help them. But as we grew and as we became more confident in our ability to actually help them, it became a lot easier to get accounts. Because once you have people that you've worked with successfully in the past and they're like, oh, yeah, man, like working with Nick's great. He really helped us a lot on Amazon. He helped us. We increased our sales 2x on Amazon. You get people to start saying that people start wanting to work with you a lot more. So it kind of perpetuates itself. Okay, And the company's margins remain the same because they're selling they're selling to you. At wholesale, same as they are presumably to these other suppliers. Correct. But they're just moving more units. So their their throughput is increasing. Correct. Okay. What kind of investment are you looking at? I mean, so you guys started six hundred dollars. I assume that was the retail arbitrage, you know, starting figure. How about for for wholesale? Like, what's a realistic startup cost for for somebody to get into this? 
Well, there's like, you know, again, there's like multiple models also. Some are more cash intensive than others. Everything that we buy is replenishment based. So we're able to consistently restock our products. So we don't order huge orders of products. Like I order 30 to 45 day supplies of product. And then I just place a reorder every time I start to get low. So my initial cash outlay is probably much different than what most people would expect. Traditionally, minimum orders for us, like the most common minimum order we see is about $500. Wow. Okay. For, you know, the company will be like our minimum order is $500. But our minimum orders at this point tend to be like probably $1,200 to $1,500 on average. Okay. Still not huge relative to some Alibaba manufacturer or something. Right. It is relatively small, much different than what we anticipated when we started doing it. We really thought, you know, just like everybody, it's like, why would the companies do business with you? And it's much less based on money than it is our ability to serve them. Okay. Did you need any like special licensing to become a wholesaler or distributor? Like this is a whole, it's a whole new language to me. You only need a resale certificate. That's the only thing you actually need for this business. Is that like state by state? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're in, you're in California, so you would have to get your California state resale certificate. Okay. And that's it. And that doesn't matter. Like, even if my stuff is in the warehouse in Kentucky, that doesn't matter. Correct. You wouldn't need a Kentucky resale certificate. Okay. And, and even if the company you were buying from was in Kentucky, you still wouldn't need it. You just show them. Basically, it's like a, that's like a driver's license to show them that you're a business. That's all it's for. It's, it's to show them that you're a business. Hey, just want to jump in here. It doesn't look like obtaining your resale certificate is going to be a huge barrier to entry. I went to the California State website and you can actually apply online for free, which was really surprising because they don't usually make anything that easy or free. Um, I'm sure it's going to vary state to state, but here it's called a seller's permit. And then you put your seller's permit number on your resale certificate. And that's what you're going to show your new wholesale partner. At least that's my understanding of it. But I just wanted to clarify this little bit of red tape shouldn't be what holds you back from getting started. All right, let's get back to it. So you order these units. So we're going to start off with a small minimum order. It's that $500 minimum order. And then you're basically uploading those into your FBA account and shipping them off to whichever warehouses they want them to go to? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that easy. We do all the processing currently ourselves internally, like we have a team. But most of our students actually do prep centers and things like that. So they never actually see the product that they're buying. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, okay. It's kind of crazy. So it just seems like potentially lower risk than private label because you don't need to go out and hunt for reviews. You don't have to you know, pay necessarily for advertising because you're kind of like tacking on to this existing listing. I'm sure the, and the other sellers, I guess, win too. If you're improving the listing, they can make more sales as well. Correct. I mean, realistically, Everybody, whenever we come onto a listing, I feel like it benefits everybody that's there. It benefits the manufacturer and the brand. It benefits the other sellers because we're going to make changes to make that product sell better. And here's the thing, because a lot of people are like, well, you know, it, that gets really saturated. But what we do is we can sit over time, and this is what we teach people to do. It's maintain that relationship, constantly be looking for ways to help communicate, communicate, communicate with your vendors. And over time, you build that relationship and several of the brands that came to us and they're like, you know, realistically, you've helped us so much on Amazon. We would love to just have you be our only seller of, of, of our products. And that's more common than you think. And, and it, it's all fostered on having a great relationship. So, again, it, it's it doesn't become oversaturated because part of it is you can explain to them whenever you come on. Whenever we come onto a listing, we explain to them. It's like, 
just being very frank with you, you don't need more Amazon sellers. You need better Amazon sellers. You need people who are, are actively engaged and trying to help you grow your brand. Most people listen to that and, and the products. It's, it's very, very hard for sellers to come on after us. So in that case, if somebody says, hey, we want you to be our exclusive seller, do they go through the whole like brand registry process and you could essentially kick all the other sellers off your listing now? Well, brand registry won't, won't kick off people. Like you can go through and make it, you can start getting, you can start the process of getting the brand gated where only approved sellers are allowed to sell the brand. When there are other sellers there, we don't try to force the issue at all. We let them naturally sell through. And then I'm not trying to play the short game. I'm not like trying to make, uh, force people out of inventory that they bought legitimately. Okay. So, you know, we'll all sell through our inventory and I'll just be the only person restocking it. Okay. Fair enough. What kind of margins do you aim for when setting up these relationships? With wholesale, typically the, the rate is like whatever the MSRP of the product is or, or retail price, say it's nineteen ninety nine. the standard wholesale rate for that product is 50% or known as Keystone. So typically you'll be paying $10. Effectively, what you're looking at right there is you're probably going to bring back about, realistically, you can bring back about $13 on that product if you sell it on Amazon, if it's a standard size product. So a typical ROI is about 30%. You buy it for 10, sell it for 20, but Amazon fees eat up $7 of that. Sure. Okay. Just ballpark numbers. Okay. Well, still, you know, 30% ROI is, uh, is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and again, I'm not having to pour tons of money into advertising and things like that. So it's while some, some of your private label margins can be bigger, it's much harder to realize those actual margins because you're generally pumping a lot of money into PPC and a lot of people do still kind of do the giveaway things and. There's just a lot of things that go into into your private label margins. Are you spending any money on ads after you get this relationship up and running? If we feel that it can, if we feel that it's going to definitely benefit the product, we will raise that as a concern to them because realistically, it's a shared interest. So a lot of the vendors that we work with are willing to comp us for any advertising dollars spent. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you said we're going to spend, you know, a thousand bucks pumping up this listing this month and they'll reimburse you for that? Some of them will give us a credit or, or even sometimes you'll get directly reimbursed. Yeah. Okay. How many different companies are you doing this for at this point? We currently deal with about 200 companies. Wow. Do you have your own warehouse or it all just goes straight down? Like, how do you manage all that? We do have our own warehouse, but again, a lot of our students, we actually didn't know that prep centers existed before we owned a warehouse. So it was kind of bad luck on our part, not knowing that it existed. Sure. And then we had all the infrastructure. But if I had it to do all over again, I would definitely do it through a prep center. Okay. They're going to take a little, a small percentage and then you just, you don't have to touch it. Okay. So Dan, what are you spending your time on after this listing is like, yeah, sometimes I'm going to throw some ads toward it. Sometimes I'm going to continue to tweak it. But like, you know, what do you, you mentioned really strengthening that relationship with the brand going on? Like, what do you do to do that? I mean, realistically, like, I mean, that's the thing about an Amazon listing is once you make the necessary changes that are going to help this product grow, it's very little maintenance, truly very little maintenance. After you optimize the listing and do all the things necessary to do that, for us, it's, it's, it's very little maintenance going forward. So mostly it's just placing a reorder whenever the product starts getting low in inventory. Yeah. Is there a way to automate that or just like, okay, I saw that I only have a few days worth left of supply, so I better reorder? Well, currently we carry 600 products. So like we definitely can't do it manually. Yeah. <laughs> we use a service called Restock Pro. And what it does is it analyzes our inventory versus current sell-through rates. And will tell us whenever we need to place reorders for products to make sure that we never run out of stock. Okay. 
And then it's a matter of finding these listings and then just doing the doing the outreach to the brands. I mean, even if you've never sold on Amazon before, you could recognize a good listing from a bad listing and be able to point that out to a manufacturer. So that's some interesting stuff, Dan. Thanks for joining me. As again, it's the uh, the wholesaleformula.com. And let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I think, honestly, the number one tip I would give is don't be afraid to reach out and start doing things. It sounds really awkward, but it's a lot of people feel like they can't. Same question you asked early on is a great question, and we answered a lot, is why would this company work with me? You've got to look at it from the perspective of this company should want to work with me because I'm willing to help them. When you carry that mentality, I, I swear, the amount of change you're going to see in your results is, is phenomenal because realistically, people should want to work with you because you're the person trying to help them. Okay. Oh, I got another question for you. Do you put your own Amazon like seller account brand name? So it says like as sold by Dan's wholesale company, or does it say like as sold by the brand name? It says by Dan's wholesale company because we're just a retailer of the product. Okay. Okay. It just happened to be a really awesome one. <laughs> yes. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'll let you go after that. Absolutely. If you want to learn more, definitely check out Dan's stuff, the wholesaleformula.com. You got my gears turning, lots of interesting ideas in this call. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time and we'll catch up with you soon. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. All right. My top takeaways from this call with Dan. Number one, start small and scale. I was really surprised by some of the minimum order dollar values that Dan threw out there, like $500 to $1,500. For some reason, I had in my head that wholesale meant biting off like $25,000 orders and giant pallets of stuff in your garage like Costco. Takeaway number two, being helpful makes you unique. But even then, you might still be at a 10% response rate or wholesale partner approval rate uh, on your cold outreach when you start out. Um, so it sounds like it's a little bit of a numbers game to get your foot in the door, start executing on your plan, getting those brand case studies and testimonials, and then growing from there. So lead with the helpful first. I think that was a really important thing that Dan said. Um, and takeaway number three was worst case, they say no. Like worst case, you know, you're no worse off. It's kind of back to the next prospect on your list and you keep and you keep hitting it. But remember, you can grab a free PDF download with all of Dan's top tips from this call at SideHustleNation.com slash Dan. And curious to hear what you think about this one. Viable side hustle? Let me know in the comments for this episode. And if you found this episode valuable, insightful, thought-provoking, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. That's the ultimate vote of confidence for the show. Helps other people discover it and it guarantees you'll never miss an episode. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show where you'll meet a former collegiate football player who's pretty much retired in his mid-30s now thanks to some savvy real estate moves and a whole lot of hustle he'll share with us next week. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 